Hello and welcome in to the CHGO White Sox podcast presented to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook. Download the app and use promo code CHGO when you sign up. And welcome in to Studio A in our West Loop studios. My name is Herb Lawrence. I'm usually the CHGO community leader, but this week I'm acting as Sean Anderson as he is in uh, Vegas this week, winning a lot of money, and hopefully he comes back tonight a richer man. But today I'm the host. You can follow me on Twitter at Ecknerwall23. That's my last name, Lawrence, spelled backwards. 23 is for Rob Ventura. To my left is Vinny Duber. He is our CHGO White Sox beat reporter. You can follow Vinny at his name, Vinny Duber, on Twitter. That's very simple, Vinny. Making it easy for everybody. It is a nice, beautiful, crisp fall day. Beautiful? I, th- I think so. It's, it is of what I know you don't like cold. Not at all. This is like 45. It's too cold. It's oh. under 50. It's too cold. <laughs> so I picked a great place to live. I mean, you probably didn't pick it. You were born no, here. No, the, the great-grandparents picked it, and they, they picked, well, it's a great city, but they could have picked the weather. It was just, it's, it's bad. Exactly, and <laughs> I appreciate you guys watching right now, but if you are not already a member, we have podcasts daily. Like, we do five days a week here on CHGO White Sox. The Cubs have one, the Bulls, Bears, Hawks, all of them have a podcast five days a week. We have live shows on every team every day. Post game show. So tomorrow we have the CHGO Bulls post game right after the game. Bears on Sunday after they win that game uh, on the lakefront. Premium written content for members at allchgo.com from people like Vinny Duber, from Nicholas Mariano, from Greg Boyson, from Jay Zawaski, who are Blackhawks people. Dope merch for all members. And you get a free t shirt. The shirt I have right now, on right now, you can see it kind of on screen. You get a free t shirt. Go to the CHGO locker, pick yourself up one after you become a member. Members only Discord where we chat it up and talk about all the things that are going on in sports. Besides all that for the CHGO members, you get a lot. You get our content for free right here on these podcasts. But I want to tell you about something else that is so special. The first tailgate that we had was a success. It was so great. It was right before the 49ers game, the beginning of the season. We're having another one. November 6th, my birthday, Sunday, November 6th, 8 a.m. to noon. White, uh, White Sox, Bears versus Dolphins. Come on out. Roosevelt and Michigan Avenue right on the corner. It is a beautiful setting. All the food, all the drinks included in the price that you pay. We have one price for just if you're going to attend the tailgate, and we have another price for if you want parking included with your uh, inclusion to the tailgate. Got a Shytown Cornhole providing all the bags and the boards, having a great time. Last time we had a taco truck. I think this time we're going to be grilling out. Going to have some brats, burgers, and other things. So make your way out there. Get your tickets. You'll see the uh, description in this link below this uh, YouTube clip. Or if you're listening on the podcast, it'll be also in there. Just click on the link and find out how you can go and attend our tailgate on November 6th. And buy me a shot. Actually, you don't have to buy me a shot because all the drinks are included. But see if you can try to chug me or out-chug me this time because I have no responsibilities after this tailgate. The last one, I had to come back and do a Detroit Tigers-White Sox pregame, so I had to stay kind of tame. This one, I'm going to get loose on. So Wow. Oh, man. It's going to be That's my birthday, quite the too. promise. Yeah. And it's my birthday, so Her- I'm going to get loose. Herbie birthday. So, I know that's hey, what not- you gonna Who are you going to be sporting? What jersey are you going to be wearing? Uh, let's see. I don't know. 
I don't really have a lot of Bears gear. And when I do have gear, it's just usually the CHGO Bears sure. shirt that I have. So if I had my choice of all the Bears that I've uh, liked, Neil Anderson is one of my favorite running backs. He gets you know overlooked because he went after uh, Walter Payton. But Neil Anderson, that sweet 35 the white jersey, oh, man, it's perfect. I had a 35 I, white jersey at one point, but it said Anthony Thomas on the back of it. <laughs> the A-train. The A-train. So which one would you be sporting? Well, I will be sporting my Musa Muhammad jersey. Ooh. That's the one I have still from for, that that I've kept. Uh, but back in the day, I had a sweet uh, Atawale Agunlia jersey as oh, well. Man, you had all the number ninety three. Do you are you going to do the, the the ball between the legs like Musa Muhammad? I believe I'm physically incapable of doing that, but <laughs> and know, uh, it's Mus- a good look. Musa Muhammad, his words are prophetic. It still holds true today. Chicago is where wide receivers go to die, and he since he's been here before he got here. He is very true about that. Joey, if you could do me one good favor, these uh, comments on the side, I am blind, Joey. I am a 43-year-old man. I cannot see them yet. So I see our guy Connor checking in and Sparky FN checking in. To start the show, I want to talk about, well, actually, let me tell you what we're going to be talking about today. You see in the title, we're going to be grading uh, both Kendall Graveman and Joe Kelly today. So More like Kendall Grademan. <laughs> no kids yet. Dad jokes, no kids yet. That's amazing. Awesome. You <laughs> Imagine when you procreate, you're going to have all the best. Um, those two we're going to be grading. Later on, after uh, we talk about those guys, we'll be talking about Halloween and whether we are fans of Halloween as adults. And then we're going to start off right now is the Louisville Slugger came out with their Silver Slugger finalist award list. And one White Sox made it to the list. It wasn't a shutout. Guess who it was? Mm. On the top of the page, you see right there, it is our guy, Jose Abreu. While everybody says that Jose had a down year, and offensively, I mean, power-wise, he did. 15 home runs only as a guy who usually hits 30 home runs. American League and uh, Louisville Slugger has saw that he is one of the best first basemen as far as hitting in the league, so he gets nominated for the award. More than likely, he won't win it because he got Anthony Rizzo and other people in there, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., but it's great to be nominated. This, I think, is validation for this season that Jose Abreu had where people thought he had a down year overall. I think this award or this uh, recognition shows that most people in the American League think that he is still a great hitter. Well, I'll say this. First of all, four finalists at every position. That's a lot of players. It is. You're talking about, if you're you you know if you're just talking about the starting players, obviously, at each position, that would be more than a quarter of each league represented <laughs> as a finalist. So that's kind of humorous. But uh, listen, we've been talking about it for a while now. Abreu had a great year. I, I don't think you could really argue that. Obviously, his power numbers weren't what everybody expects them to be on an annual basis. But uh, the guy finished second in the American League in hits. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, in a year where everybody in that lineup was uh, struggling at one point or another and in large chunks of the season, Abreu was consistent, man. He gave you that Jose Abreu consistency that you that he's pretty much given every year he's been a Major League Baseball player. Uh, there's really no reason to think he's going to stop doing that kind of stuff, uh, even, even as he gets up there in age. And uh, I think, you know... You bring it up that this was your opinion, and it was a lot of people's opinions. The last time he was going to free agency, it was, oh, man, he's getting too old. Mm-hmm. That can, that production is going to fall off a cliff. And what's he done? 
2020, won the MVP. 2021, won the RBI crown for the second year in a row. And 2022, second in the league in hits. So, uh, listen, there are some gripes to be had with specific statistics. But overall, Jose Abreu is still as good a hitter as you're going to find in Major League Baseball. And, Joey, if you could pop up the uh, Jose Abreu stats, some might say that this year, in 2022, he had a better offensive year. I mean, if you just go by OPS+, Plus. Yes, he had a better actual year offensively than he had in 2021. And it's just a glaring thing, the 15 home runs. As I said yesterday and the day before, I'm going to throw out most of the stats that happened in 2022, or at least what the end results of these stats, because everybody on the White Sox, for the most part, had a down year offensively. And it's like very weird to see all the power zapped out of most of the players on the team. So Jose Abreu, I think deserves the treatment of an all-time White Sox great. And so this is my point. Jose Abreu, Paul Knurko. I'm not going to say which one do you want because that's, you know, it's like picking your children. They're both great. They both had great times here as a White Sox. But would you, as a White Sox fan, say, hey, Paul Knurko at the end of his career, or hey, you still want to play? Cool. Go play on a different team. I don't think any White Sox fan would say that at the end of Paul Kirkendall's career if he was still having productive seasons. This is why I am perplexed, and I know our guy Sean's not here to defend himself, but I am perplexed why people don't want him coming back. I know it's a simple solution because you have a glut at first base DH. Jose Abreu is the only one that's a free agent, so it's easy for letting him just walk. But as Vinny has brought up a couple times, Where are you going to get that production from? Where are you going to get the production that Jose Abreu brings to the table? And more importantly, I think, where are you going to get the leadership from? Where are you going to get the White Sox that Jose Abreu is through and through? He wants to be here. He said he wanted to sign here no matter if the White Sox wanted him three years ago and he was going to sign with them. And I feel that maybe it's not the same strength. I feel that he still wants to be a White Sox because that's all he's known, and he is a leader here. Vinny, what do you think about... I don't know about the treatment, but the I think some White Sox fans are quick to just say, thank you for the career. We'll uh, see you later because we have Andrew Vaughn and Aloy Jimenez and Gavin Sheets on the way. We can get that production from those th- three guys instead of you, Jose Abreu. I think some of it might have to do with the fact that the offense was so bad overall this year that no one – you know, with few exceptions, obviously you guys talked about Yasmani Grandal yesterday. I think Yoan Moncada would fall into the same category. But few exceptions were people standing out, like a, you know, sticking out like a sore, sore thumb mm-hmm. because they were so bad while everybody else was doing okay. On the defensive side, the White Sox were a very bad defensive team as well. Andrew Vaughn stuck out. Yeah. One of the worst statistical offensive or outfielders, rather, defensive outfielders in baseball. And I think people see that sticking out, and they're like, we got we to gotta pull that weed, you yeah. know? And the way to do that is to send Andrew Vaughn to first base where he belongs, you know, no matter what, come hell or high water. Um, but obviously these things have ripple effects throughout the entire roster and on both sides of the ball. Uh, and, and not only that, like you mentioned, in the clubhouse with the, with the way that things are happening off the field. I, I think I've settled kind of on phrasing it this way, and I know I've, I've phrased it this way in, uh, when it applies to a, a few different players uh, in recent uh, days and weeks, and that's the White Sox are trying to get better, right? Yep. They were, they were a 500 team last year, and uh, the vast majority of, of folks looking on would say that they are not good enough. If, if you let Jose Abreu go, the White Sox are worse. That's just true. 
right? They they have to do something in order to make up for that. And maybe there is some other move in the offing. Hell, there might have to be in order to make up for Jose Abreu uh, going to free agency. But I, I think if you're the White Sox, you're a team built around offense. And, and it didn't work in 2022, no doubt about it. But you're a team built around hitting the ball a long way, around, around uh, putting up a really big crooked number almost every day against an opposing team. And losing, Ho- losing Jose Abreu her, uh, you know, impacts negatively your ability to do that. And also, you're supposed to be a team where you might not be that great defensively. Mm-mm. And you're supposed to be able to make up for it. So if the White Sox would have hit the way that they were supposed to hit this year... Yeah, Andrew Vaughn's probably not any better of a defensive outfielder. If they were healthy the way they were supposed to be, he wouldn't have had to play so much outfield for a second year in a row. But it's maybe not sticking out as such a glaring issue. And I think it is it, it is in the mind of people. Andrew Vaughn's defense is so bad that he has to something has to be done about it. It's one of the biggest problems on the team. Truth be told, one of the biggest problems on the team is that the offense didn't score enough runs. And if you're going to let your uh, the, the your best <laughs> offensive player go, that problem is not going to uh, get any easier to solve. In fact, it's going to get much more difficult to solve. And I can understand. if Joe, if you have Paul Konerko's stats up there, if this – was at the end, you see the two years, 2013-2014 for Paul Konerko. Woeful, not Paul Konerko-esque years. If this was Jose Abreu in his last couple years, hell yeah. Bye, Jose Abreu. I appreciate your time here as a White Sox. You were great, but we cannot move forward with your with your services because you're not giving us enough production. Because Paul Konerko at the end of his year, just at the end of his career, just fell off. And that's natural as a person who was up there in age. The thing is... Jose Abreu is still hitting, and he is still a feared hitter, as you see by the Silver Slugger Award nomination here. He has won three of them in his career. He has done things that no White Sox besides Frank Thomas have done in their career. He is, to me, the second-best hitter in this uh, White Sox era that I've been watching behind Frank Thomas. And so I think it's just very disrespectful. I think it's outrageous to just say, Get rid of him. And I know I was, as Vinny brought up, I know I was the person that said, hey, that's enough of Jose Abreu before 2020 or his free agent year. All right, it's, it's been a minute. Peace out, Jose Abreu. But I was wrong, and I'm not afraid to admit that I was wrong because this man is an all-time White Sox great, and you should treat him as such. And so if he wants to come back to the White Sox, you make way. You find a way that you got to sign Jose Abreu because there's no way in hell that you're going to make up that production with Andrew Vaughn just playing at first base and Aloy Jimenez playing at left field. You can do that with Jose Abreu. You know, good idea. And as Vinny says, I think if you bring everybody back, not ideal for me, you can have left fielder Aloy Jimenez and deal with it, and hopefully he doesn't get injured. You can have designated hitter Andrew Vaughn and get that production from him so he doesn't have to touch a glove ever again unless he spells Jose Abreu at first. And you can have Jose Abreu at first base. A guy was a 4F4 player this year, a top 40 player in the league, still still providing you offensive production. And I think these numbers that we saw this year are not real. They're not what the White Sox are going to do in 2023. And people are still scared of Jose Abreu. When they're pitching versus him, they're pitching around him. They're trying to get him out. They're pitching on an up and in. That's why he gets hit so many times. They still think of him as a feared player. And the last thing I want to see is Jose Abreu go to the Astros after they win this World Series or go to the Cubs 
after they retool and buy all the players and bec- and still become Jose Abreu. I want to f- have Jose Abreu on the White Sox until the wheels fall off. There's no reason why he shouldn't be anything but a White Sox because he's earned that respect and he's actually still pr- productive. So I am going to say this to Sean in his face, and we said this m- multiple times to Sean in his face. It's just... To me, asinine to not have Jose Abreu. And I know he doesn't not want him on the team, but I think it's just a simple solution for the White Sox since he is the only one that is a free agent there. It's creating a bigger it's creating a bigger problem to solve a smaller one. Yeah. I, that would that would be my opinion. And and listen, the defense has got to get better. There's no doubt about it. But if the offense does what it's supposed to be, it doesn't it doesn't it, it's quite it's not quite as uh aesthetically displeasing, I think, because uh, of the way that the, the scoreboard should look when, when those plays do come around. And we have to look no further than the other World Series participant for a defensive deficient team, where they're playing Kyle Schwarber sometimes in left field, and they're playing Nicholas, Nicholas Castellanos in right field. Those guys are butchers out there. If you look at that at the bottom of the outs above average, they're there with Andrew Vaughn and Gavin Sheets. So it can be done. You just got to hit the ball out of the ballpark. And that's what the Philadelphia Phillies did, especially Kyle Schwarber with his 46 home runs on the year. We'll get to grading the Kendall Graveman and Joe Kelly in a second, but Shady Rays never understood why sunglasses were so expensive. So they set out to change it. You don't have to break the bank for quality sunglasses this fall because our friends at Shady Rays have you covered. Shady Rays are premium polarized shades featuring world-class optical clarity, substantial durability, and styles catered to everyone and every lifestyle. The best part about Shady Rays? They have the most insane production program in all of eyewear. If you lose or break your shades on day one, they told us that they will send you a brand new pair. No questions asked. Dropped in the lake, off a cliff, anything, they'll replace them. Even with that strong production program, they still manage to make a quality that I can tell if you're holding them in your hands, it seems they're as good as an expensive pair that I've ever worn. Shady Rays customers seem to agree with that with over 200,000 five-star reviews. Shady Rays also provides 10 meals for fighting hunger in America. Every order placed, you have donated, they have donated over 20 million meals to date. They stand behind their product and told our team that if anyone has a problem, they'll throw profit out the window and do what is right to get you the product. Free returns and exchanges. You either love the shades or Shady Rays will pay to ship them back. That's it. Exclusively, exclusively for our listeners, Shady Rays is running a deepest deal of the season use code chgo for 50 percent off two or more pairs at shadyrays.com buy one get one free you can get your two pairs as low as 54 dollars. redeem only at shadyrays.com where you can find all their newest and best shades and the next read i gotta find it this is always trouble when you have the reads all uh, f- f- jumbled up. Let's go <laughs> DraftKings. It's time for October baseball, and I'm betting all the action on DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the World Series. Right now, DraftKings Sportsbook has a championship-worthy offer you can't miss. New customers can just bet $5 on any of the World Series games and win $200 in free bets if your team wins. Want to boost your winnings? Check out DraftKings Same Game Parlays. Combine multiple bets from the same game for a bigger payout. The more legs you add, the more money you can win. I think if you have the smart money, first game, I think it's Justin Verlander going. And if you've seen Justin Verlander pitch this whole year, put some money down on the Houston Astros for that first game so you can win 
You bet only $5, win $200 in free bets. That's just my idea. I'm not the CHGO bets guy. That's Cody and Sean who are uh, away right now. Sean will be back on Sunday. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code CHGO and bet $5 to win $200 in free bets if your team wins. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with promo code CHGO. Minimum age and eligibility eligibility restrictions apply. See how she show notes for details. MLB trademarks used with permission. Now, this is the difficult part. I don't like grading these players because I feel like as a person that has never played Major League Baseball, it's really bad for me to tell these guys, hey, you suck this year. Really? Like yesterday. What happened the last time you did that? <sighs> There's some leg pain involved. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yasmani Grandal, and I gave him an F yesterday, and I think he would even say he earned his F. But there was numbers in that in the Yasmani Grandal profile that says that he's going to get better in 2023. One of these players, I think, will be much better next year, and the other player will stay the same. It's Kendall Graveman and Joe Kelly, who get lumped in together, and we're lumping them in together again because they were free agents in this underwhelming offseason that the White Sox front office had this past offseason. So Kendall Graveman gets dragged out by Joe Kelly. Sometimes Joe Kelly gets picked up by Kendall Graveman. So we're going to be grading Joe Kelly first. Joe Kelly had a topsy-turvy season where he was hurt initially. Uh, Apparently in his contract, they couldn't do back-to-back day games before July 1st. Then he went 10 straight starts or 10 straight relief appearances where he was lights out. And then he ran into some other problems. So, Vinny, Joe Kelly, what grade and why would you give this grade to Joe Kelly? Well, I, I mean, I gave Joe Kelly a D minus, and I think that well, there's the spoiler alert for Kendall Graveman. But I gave Joe Kelly. A, Let me just say, I don't, I don't know what the grading scale is. So, you know, some schools a D is a pass. So, you know, I wasn't sure if we were flunking him for a D. D minus is uh, passing by the skin of your teeth. Yeah, yeah. so it's a pass technically. It's technically a pass, but I, and I'll explain why. Mm-hmm. I, I I mean, listen, his his ERA was over six. It was not good for the the vast majority of the time that he was in there. Uh, it was it was not going well for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, that being said, uh, as I've said all. all this whole time we've been doing these grades because it applies to so many White Sox players this season. Uh, you don't like to ding guys for being hurt. They're not. It's not their fault that they got hurt. Um, you know. So there were there were what I think three separate trips to the IL if you include the one to open the season for Joe Kelly, which is a lot. Um, and I think that you know he's a guy who has a bit of a proven track record. I mean, he didn't. He it didn't come to fruition this year, obviously. But I don't think you can be. I don't. I don't think anybody can say Joe Kelly next year is, is also going to be bad. You know what I mean? And, and again, that shouldn't play in to the grade he got for this year. He was bad, so he got a D-. minus. But he is still the guy the White Sox signed, I think. I, I don't think that, uh, you know, that he has you know, dropped off a cliff. And I suppose we will be, we will see if that's the case if, when he, when he goes out and pitches next year, uh, cause he's not going to be going anywhere considering mm-hmm. that, uh, contract that he got for, uh, you know, beyond the 2022 season. So he's a guy I think who showed, uh, throughout this past season, why he got that contract, why he has been so, uh, one of the premier relievers in baseball over the last few years, the stuff, uh, you know, is, has been pretty darn good, and I think at times you saw it. Uh, you can probably comb through Twitter and uh, and find reactions to like, uh, oh my goodness, that from Joe Kelly, who's been having such a bad year. Uh, what a strikeout, uh, or or what a performance there. So um, yeah, it wasn't good, wasn't good at all. And I think in a uh, 
in, in any other year when really the bullpen wouldn't have been as deep or wouldn't have been as good overall, mm-hmm. he would have really, it would have really cost the White Sox uh, in, in a big, bad way, I think. Um, but, you know, that, that, that back four or what ended up being the back four of Hendricks, Graveman, Lambert, and Lopez was good enough that it made the White Sox bullpen pretty good throughout the course of the season. And Joe Kelly is not the Joe Kelly that you saw in 2022. It would it would be shocking uh, if he was that guy again next year. Uh, I think you've got to count him amongst the strengths of this White Sox, uh, you know, or count him amongst the pitchers in the bullpen that makes the bullpen a strength of this team. And uh, everybody's, nobody's going to listen to that or agree with that because of the year <laughs> that they just saw. But uh, remember, as you're building for 2023, uh, you've got a guy who more often than not has proven that he's one of the better relievers out there. Two World Series rings in recent years with both the Dodgers and the Red Sox. So uh, I, I, I it, it was not a good year for Joe Kelly. And sometimes you just got to say, oh boy, it was a bad year. Yeah, and I know that people are looking and thirsting for an F for here, for Joe Kelly. I can't give him an F. The performance or the results, yes, F. But we're not just a results team. We're a process over results. And so he did have one of the highest walk rates in his career. He did have a high ERA, 608. Unacceptable. And you didn't feel good for the most part when Joe Kelly came into the game at the beginning of the year and at the end of the year. The middle of the year, he was dealing. He was doing He was doing the job. So, yes, all that being said, his peripherals look really nice. Like, the 608 ERA is inflated. His expected ERA is 315. So, whatever he was doing with the, the extra walks and the airs behind him, he was pre- performing well with his pitches. His fastball is at the top of the league as far as velocity and movement. He is pretty good with that pitch. I think he just needs to hone in his control. So his command control, I would give him like a D, D minus. And for his overall grade, I'm probably going to give him a D. And it's because of all the things I just said. Like he had his highest, highest in his career strikeout rate, like, his K rate was as high as in his career. So I know there is a beast in there. You saw a couple times in the middle of the season, like I said, I think he had a, either a 10 or 14 game stretch where he came into the game and he wasn't giving up anything. He was just rock solid. Now, going into next year, as Vinny said, we have our four pillars in the back of the bullpen with Liam Hendricks, Kendall Graveman, uh, Ray Lowe, and surprisingly, Jimmy Lambert. But does that mean that Joe Kelly's out of the question? Hell no. I'm expecting a bounce back year as you do get volatility from year to year from bullpens as a whole and bullpen members individually. So I believe that these numbers and a workout, as I said all the time, a workout and a a philosophy with Ethan Katz, a whole offseason with him because he didn't have one this this past year because of the lockout. You couldn't talk to the people. I think that Joe Kelly is going to be unleashed to be the best player that he can be. And the D is because of the results slash um, the process that he went to. And he was hurt most of the year. So I can't really ding him for that. But when he did get on the mound, it wasn't as great as he was supposed to be for these White Sox. Now, I'm not going to blame Joe Kelly for the White Sox being bad. There was a team thing and maybe he got in that team thing and kind of the malaise kind of brought him down but the numbers and the the peripherals look good for going forward when I'll say this too I mean I'm sure you guys talked about 
Yasmani Grandal mm-hmm. yesterday. Uh, you know, Yoan Moncada falls into this category too, probably. But Joe Kelly doesn't jump out to me as a guy who has a really bad season and 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 the red flags are just flying, flying so high, like they are with some of the other guys on this White Sox team. It just looks it to me like, oh, man, he had a bad year. Let's see what he does next year. You know, I mean, like, yeah. I, I don't think that it's um, – I don't think that it's a situation where you have to worry about moving forward. Oh my God, can he ever be good again? Kind of thing. Uh, you, you talked about some of the some of the numbers that say that he still not only has the ability to do that, but was doing it to a degree this mm-hmm. past season, and it didn't it just didn't work out for him. There's there's no way any uh, anybody is going to argue that the White Sox uh, entire disappointment from 2022 can be chalked up to bad luck. But certainly small aspects of it can be. And and Joe Kelly has a bad year. He has bad injury luck and bad luck behind him defensively. Oh, yeah. And and maybe this guy's a totally different pitcher next year. So, again, that's not – nobody's guaranteeing that that's going to be the case either. They could, this very well, you know, could be uh, a bad sign of things to come should it continue into next year. I think you'd probably put Jake Diekman in a similar category oh, yeah. as well. But, he's uh, coming back, yeah, right? He's coming back. So, <laughs> uh, but but I think uh, I, I think really that the bullpen remains a strength of this team, and we're going to talk about another guy, why it is. But uh, there's a very good chance that even some of the guys that you – wouldn't put amongst the most successful arms in that core uh, this past season can have a really good year next year and make this uh, bullpen really the strength, if not a strength of the team. I don't know how many chances you got to sit down and talk or just uh, in a scrum with Joe Kelly, but one time I met him, it was in San Francisco. He was in the bullpen. We were by the bullpen as fans just reaching out saying, hey, Joe, keep your head up, all that stuff. He reached back and he gave us a peace sign. He's like, hey, man, you know, I appreciate it. He was, he seems really cool. And, you know, the video of him doing the face to Carlos Correa has always ingratiated myself to him, even though he was a Boston Red Sox before this. I followed him back then. I think the guy is a cool customer. And like you were saying, I think he does, he has the mental wherewithal where I think, Okay, I had a bad year. I'm going to throw that away. I'm not going to hold on to that. What does that do to me? And I can move forward, and I'm going to have a great year. How type of What type of guy did you gather that Joe Kelly is as far as his mental makeup? Yeah, I definitely don't think that, that uh, a season of poor results is going to screw with his head at all. I mean, this is a guy who has been on the biggest stages and succeeded as a, as, as a pitcher in really high-leverage moments. Uh, not only that, he's been doing this for a really long time. We talked about uh, you know how he – had a relationship with Tony La Russa dating back to his time in the in the St. Louis organization. You know, think about that. Tony La Russa has been removed for it for more than a decade now. So uh, he's obviously been around a really long time, has been through these kinds of things before. Um, I, I have no doubt that he's going to handle it fine from a mental standpoint. Um, but in the clubhouse, man, he is beloved. He is, uh, he is always chatting with guys. Uh, uh, certain pitchers uh, described him to me as one of the best teammates they've ever had this past year. Wow. Uh, and, and you see really that bullpen in general, kind of having those, those easygoing personalities, guys, who, um, guys who, who are good presences. And I think, I think Joe Kelly is one of those guys. Kendall Graven is one of those guys. Obviously, Liam Hendricks is one of those guys. And really, just judging by the way their teammates reacted to him, Jake Diekman's one of those guys too. I mean, wow, these are okay. this is a group of veterans who really, um, you know, have the attention of the younger guys and work and you know seem to get along really well t- with each other. So uh, I, I think you know, obviously everybody's going to be looking at the results, but uh, from a makeup standpoint, this bullpen is in really good hands. 
All right, and we'll get to our other bullpen member in a second, but Game Time is the hottest new ticketing site that makes it easier than ever to score your best deals on tickets to sports, concerts, and shows. Ever dreamed of sitting at a seat that you never thought you could? 50-yard line, courtside, behind home plate, floor seats at a concert. It is possible with the Game Time app. The biggest last-minute price drops can be found on the seats you thought you can never buy. You won't find a better deal this season on buying Bulls, Blackhawks, Bears tickets, and when the White Sox open back up in 2023, White Sox tickets. I did that multiple times this year. Let me tell you a story, like the Atlanta story. Like, I was going down there with my fiance Courtney. I needed to get some tickets down there. I don't know the lay of the land. I trusted game time. I hit the link in the description right here on YouTube, went over to game time. They had some seats that were perfect for us. I hit them. I got the tickets. Then I got a little curious because I saw their 110% guarantee that they got the lowest price. I was like, eh, I don't think that's true. Looked on another website, found seats that are a little bit cheaper than the ones in game time. Took a screenshot of that, sent it to game time. They sent me my money plus the difference, 110% guaranteed that I got my money back. I got $46 back in my account with 12, in 12 minutes after I sent that first email. It was amazing. It was customer service that I could not believe. And so game time has the cheapest seats. And if they don't, they'll give you 110% of your money back created by fans for the fans guarantees the lowest price if you love chgo then you'll love game time the best way to support us is by buying your tickets through the link in the description as i just said join over 15 million people who have downloaded the game time app and score the best seats of all your favorite events now kendall graveman when he was signed i was like yes good job rick Hahn. we're out there cooking with gas because yeah we have a decent bullpen right now it's never a bad idea to get even better. Kendall Graveman had a great year in 2021 with both the city Seattle Mariners and the Houston Astros bringing over that Houston Astros mentality, which he talked about a little bit. I thought when he would come over here that he would be as good as he was. I know the numbers from the year before where it was like a one nine two to a three and a half ERA don't look awesome, but I think for the most part, except for like the Colorado uh, fiasco out there and that was a lot of other things too and you know Kendall Graveman did get the loss in that one but I think for the most part Kendall Graveman acquitted himself as White Sox fans thought he would do what do you think his grade would be for the 2022 season what do you see him doing for going forward for the White Sox yeah I give him a B plus uh, I think you're absolutely right he probably wasn't the you know one of the best relievers in baseball like he was the year prior uh, pitching out west but I thought he did really, really well. The numbers back it up. I mean, 3.18, that's not terrible. It's not uh, amazing, but, you know, uh, it, it's pretty good. And uh, it, it, guess what? It's it's a lower ERA than Jimmy Lambert had, and everybody thought Jimmy Lambert's season was remarkable. Obviously, a, a different set of expectations with those two guys, but um, I thought Graveman was really good as a, as a setup guy. I think he's probably the number one example of the way fans react to bullpens in general, right, which is – they can be good all year, but they have one, two, oh. three bad nights, and all of a sudden it's the it's a problem for the entire season. And uh, and and Graveman obviously had a few bad nights, no doubt about it, some memorable ones, as you mentioned that game against the Rockies out in Denver. But um, in general, as a setup man, I don't think there's I, I don't think there's any sort of problem. I don't think the White Sox need need to improve that with all certainly not with all the other other improvements they have uh, to make all around the field, whether that's with guys doing just doing better or or going out and doing work this offseason. So uh, I, I think Graveman had a fine year. And I, again, I, you, you look forward to 2023. And right now, this bullpen is probably the 
the the best part of this of this roster, or certainly the strongest and the deepest part of this roster. Uh, Kendall Graveman's your setup man moving forward, and I don't think that's anything to be upset about. Yeah, and I think his words where he's kind of coming over here and saying, you know what. When I was in Seattle, they did things a certain way. But when I got to the Astros, they did a certain way that I never seen. The professionalism was was raised. The bar was raised. They wanted to win. Their competitive spirit was high. And the White Sox need people like that from winning organizations to bring that type of fire to this organization. And I've said it. The White Sox are too insular. But you get these guys who are from different winning organizations. Joe Kelly from the Dodgers and the Boston Red Sox. Kendall Graven spent some time in Seattle, spent some time with the Cubs. Actually, the whole year of just rehabbing. Thanks, Cubs, for uh, Kendall Graven just rehabbing. And then with the Astros, going through that whole thing and then into the uh, World Series with them, understanding what it takes to get there. And I think having him on the staff is going to be very uh, beneficial for these younger pitchers to learn from. We already saw it with uh, you know, Jimmy, Jimmy Lambert stepping up, and you had Relo, Ronaldo Lopez stepping up. This is why one of the main reasons I want Joe Espada here for the White Sox because he's another person from the Houston Astros and a person that doesn't have any stink to him. Like, he wasn't there in 2017 when they were cheating. He got there in 2018 to clear everything up, and they've kept on rolling. And so J- Kendall Graveman, I think, unfairly gets dragged down by what Joe Kelly did because he was in the same free agency class. And I think that's just unfair for him. You should just, I mean, and we're doing it here. We're pairing the two together. So it's kind of on us too, but he gets dragged down by what, how badly Joe Kelly did. But I think if you, for the most part, as White Sox fans, you saw Kendall Graveman come in the game in the seventh or eighth inning, you're like, all right, we got this. And that Rocky series, I think that was the ninth inning that he, blew up or late in the eighth inning they blew up but there was a lot of other things going on in that game that made that game so infuriating and Kendall Graveman just giving up the extra runs kind of put the the cherry on top of that uh, crap Sunday so I think that Kendall Graveman had a nice season I think I gave him a B overall Joey for a season because the results were good the process was good and I look forward to, as I said with uh, Joe Kelly and every pitcher in the White Sox, an offseason with the Ethan Katz, his first offseason with Ethan Katz. will even increase that even more because his stuff was electric when he can get it over the plate. And for the most part, he wasn't walking the yard like uh, Joe Kelly was. And his uh, K rate wasn't as high as it was the year before, but I think he can get back there with a full offseason, a full year of rest. And I'm just high on what Kendall Graveman can do for this White Sox team. I think he did very well, and I really don't have that many complaints about him and his professionalism. I don't know how your dealings were with Kendall Graveman. You talked about him a little bit, like he's got some leadership roles with uh, Joe Kelly, too, and how the people like him. How was he with the other players? How did he go along with um, the White Sox philosophy and the the speech that he kind of, not speech, that he he talked to the media about the Houston Astros and how they do things there. How did you think that went over with the White Sox crowd? Well, I think more so maybe than than what he took from Houston was kind of what he brought in from his own career and and being being uh, his own individual. Uh, there was a a real dichotomy it seemed at the beginning of the year, a real contrast between the way that Kendall Graveman did things and the way that Liam Hendricks did things. And both of those guys talked about that as a real positive because certain certain young players react more uh, positively to Kendall Graveman being this uh, incredibly prepared guy, you know, study film, do all this sorts of stuff and, and get a 
get these you know scouting reports, get everything in line, know exactly how all the pitches are are, are working and happening, and go out there and attack guys according to plan. Uh, and I think some guys thrive better that way. Or you could be Liam Hendricks, and he's going to throw the same thing at everybody, but he's going to do it so well and with the confidence. And you know he's got that history with uh, you know studying with all the uh, with the stat gurus and all of that kind of thing. He's obviously on top of himself so much, you know, that maybe uh, that is the way that a young pitcher would respond better. So those two different strategies, those two different leadership styles. Gives some some choice to the guys coming up through that bullpen and allows them to follow both of those guys in whatever way they choose, perhaps helping a little bit more success. And we saw from some of the younger guys earlier in the year, uh, you know, even guys who maybe didn't end up having great seasons but got off to a nice start, that they were were kind of taken under Graveman's wing maybe during the spring, something like that, really helped them go from fringe big leaguer to a guy that was getting a major league chance. So. Graveman, uh, just like uh, Kelly or, or, or Hendricks, uh, you know, a, a very positive presence, not just in the bullpen, but in the clubhouse as a whole. Uh, and as you look ahead to next year, there's a chance all these guys come back, that you have this exact same bullpen. And, and if you look around and look at the positives, it, it could be a very good thing. Uh, obviously there's that volatility, but this is an area of strength. And I wrote about it today. If you want to go check the, check the story out on our site, uh, maybe this is the area of strength that Rick Hahn could use to, to, to make some tweaks to this roster. We keep talking about how hard it might be to trade some of the guys mm-hmm. or, or make change elsewhere, particularly when it comes to the position players. Uh, maybe the bullpen is that area where a team comes calling about, you know, somebody that would be unpopular to lose a Jimmy Lambert or a, or, or Reynaldo oh. Lopez, but that that's the way that you can make the change that it's hard to make in any other way. Um, you're probably not just going to be able to make an impact addition just by shopping Joe Kelly and Jake Diekman after their six ERA season. So it might take somebody like one of those two younger guys, or even Aaron Bummer, by the way, who had, what, I think a two-and-a-half ERA, yeah. despite really hardly pitching at all this year with the health problem. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see what becomes of that bullpen because they always talk about trading from a strength. The bullpen, I think, is that deepest part of the roster right now where if you're going to be looking to make a move, if you're Rick Hahn, and you can try to weather it as best you can, maybe the bullpen is the place where that trade comes from. And I see a problem, a good problem for the White Sox. As John Froelich points out, a well-heeled Greer Crochet will come back to. Yes. We got, you said Aaron Bummer's going to be pretty much fully healthy by, by then. You're going to have a, other people coming into this rotation or into this bullpen. It's a good problem to have. And so they will have some people at the end of that bullpen that will have to shuffle, shuffle out, you know, the Ruizes and other people like that. But with those top four guys that we've already named, do you think going into spring training since they paid Joe Kelly, and I know that you know the manager has not been named, and Melissa will get to that maybe in a different show, talking more specifically about managers, but do you think that Joe Kelly can crack that top four because he got paid and he's going to be here? Uh, or is it like more of a meritocracy? So Jimmy Lambert battled last year, and so did Ray L- Renato Lopez. They've earned their spot. Sorry, Joe, you got to battle back and get your own spot back. Um, I mean, I think that if Joe Kelly has a nice spring, uh, that he would very much be in the the uh, running for one of the premier spots in that bullpen. Uh, and I think that's a good thing. It's okay to have three setup guys or four setup guys, right? You want to be able to uh, choose from as many guys as you can when you're talking about the highest leverage spots in games, the the biggest moments when you got to get, you know, maybe the maybe the big bat 
comes around in the sixth inning or the seventh inning, and it's not time for Liam Hendricks yet, but you got three or four other guys that you can choose from to go throw at uh, Jose Ramirez with a couple of runners on or something like that if the if the starting pitcher has to come out. Joe Kelly can certainly be that guy. Joe Kelly could be the guy in the eighth inning. I mean, he, he has the ability and the track record to do it. Um, but the White Sox, I think, will be going into next year with three setup guys, basically, Engraveman, Lambert, and Lopez, and we'll see how it plays out. Maybe Joe Kelly is, is terrific to start the year, and he works his way into it. I mean, heck, think about all the times that it, it, early in, in the last season here in 2022 when it seems like guys were taking turns, kind of stepping up. Who was the big breakout reliever in April? Matt Foster. Oh, yeah. Remember, Matt Foster Slider was the was setup healthy. guy uh, in, in, in the first month and a half of the season or so. Ended up not really even being on the team oh, toward the end of the year. So sometimes that's just how, how a season works where uh, relievers will get hot and they'll be in the mix and then they will pitch themselves out of that mix. Um, but Joe Kelly, I think, would be more uh, would be better equipped than most because of his experience and because of his um, – time pitching in those really big moments uh he'd probably be better equipped than most to to find his way back to that group and blank name i agree i want to spot it too mostly because of bullpen usage and how you can uh employ these guys i want joe kelly sometimes to be pitched in the sixth inning if it's a high leverage situation put joe kelly in the game put kendall graveman in the game put gary crochet in the game where usually you would save them from seven eighth and ninth I maybe sometimes would want Liam Hendricks, if he's your best reliever at the time, going into the seventh or eighth inning because it's a high-leverage situation. And I know it's tough because closers are closers for a reason, but Liam Hendricks was signed here to be a multiple-inning guy initially. He says he doesn't care how long he pitch. I will. He said he will rust before he'll uh, go out and he'll uh, get tired. So I think that a manager along with Ethan Katz, can use these guys and employ them a little bit better than Tony did, not just do the the winning bullpen and then do the, do the losing bullpen. And I, for the most part, didn't have a problem 100% with Tony LaRusso and the winning and losing bullpens. But sometimes the game is in the balance in the fifth inning. Sometimes the game's hanging in the balance in the sixth or seventh. And you don't need Jose Ruiz at that time. You need somebody who's going to shut them down so you can get the bats going back in the bottom of the sixth. And so if we get a guy like a spot, we get some more analytically inclined people understanding that the high leverage situation, the game winning situation sometimes happens in the sixth inning. Sometimes that happens in the seventh inning and doesn't always happen in the ninth inning when Liam can be facing the seven, eight, nine hitters and he goes down easily. If you don't get to, if you give up those runs in the seventh inning, you don't get to Liam Hendricks. So I just think that they can be better employed and with the healthy and very uh, rested Joe Kelly. I don't know if his contract for next year is the same thing where he can't pitch back-to-back games before July 1st. If it is, it is. I think we have enough uh, uh, bullpen arms back there to weather that storm. But I think that Joe Espada and somebody else who is more analytically inclined will help the bullpen a little bit better than Tony did. Pins and Aces is the official golf apparel partner of CHGO. We love our Pins and Aces gear, and we get tons of compliments on and off the course. They're a family-owned golf business and apparel business. They make tons of polos, amazing hats, golf bags, even our favorite beer sleeve, an innovative product that allows you to store seven beers right inside your golf bag and keep drinks cold the entire round. Check out PinsandAces.com and use code CHGO to receive 15% off your first order and get free shipping. That's PinsandAces.com. 
And our last topic, and since it's going into Halloween weekend, you guys might be going to parties this weekend. Just a PSA. No Jeffrey Dahmer, guys. None. No brown face. None of that stuff. Can we just have an enjoyable time and enjoy these parties that we're going to have this weekend? Some apple bobbing for apples, some uh, uh, frightening shows if you want, some uh, going uh, apple picking. Just enjoy the time. No offensive things that you might have to uh, talk about on Monday with your bosses. Now, Vinny, as a guy who doesn't like the cold, mm. I was wondering also, do you not like the cold holidays or the cold celebrations like Halloween, Thanksgiving, Christmas, but specifically Halloween? Do you enjoy Halloween? Uh, Halloween's fine. Okay. I, don't, I, don't, I don't like get crazy about Halloween like others do. If I had to pick like a, a holiday... Halloween would not be my my one. You know what I mean? If you only get one, yeah. Halloween would not be the one for me. I'd, I'd lean more Christmas than than Halloween. Uh, but Halloween's fun. There's do nothing you, wrong with Halloween. I know you have a wife now. I do. Do you guys go to, like, do you, now, couples, you always get these invitations to friends. I know we might be a little aged out. I know I'm aged out. But do you get invitations to these parties and then you have to dress up for Halloween parties? Uh, yes, I will be attending a Halloween oh, party on Saturday. Yeah. Yes. Would you reveal what you're uh, going to be wearing? Or? I will not uh, because it is a uh, it is a surprise for oh. uh, for the host. Oh, okay. So yes. we won't know. But on Monday when we have a new show, can we get some pictures? Because we want to definitely see this. Are, you, are there prizes for this costume? No, no prizes. Oh. No, no prizes. But, uh, yeah, we'll see what we can do. But, are you guys uh, doing like a theme, you and your wife? We will be wearing, yes, we will be. Theme, on theme, but yes, last year it was fun. You could, you know, last year we did. I went to uh, a couple of uh, vintage stores in the area. Okay, got some really nice like seventies uh, garb. I had like I had a gold uh, jacket. Yeah, uh, showed uh, a little chest. No, well, no, well, <laughs> uh, eventually. Um, but uh, but yeah, I had a gold jacket, some nice Elton John style uh, like red star sunglasses, yeah. white pants. So we were like we were like we were like the seventies dressed up as the seventies. So it was it was pretty good. It was pretty good. It was kind of like a like a uh, like an Elton John kind of. I had my big cowboy hat, so it was kind of like an Elton John cowboy kind of thing going on. Yeah, I've only dressed up, and I think one time I dressed up as Arnold Jackson from Different Strokes. I just put shoes on my knees instead, <laughs> and just got on my knees and acted like Arnold did sure. the did the whole lip thing. You know, sure. kind of look like him. And uh, this was like, as a kid or recently? No, I did yeah. that. It was the only time I think I've went as an adult uh, to an adult Halloween costume party. Gotcha. It was just me putting things together, as you said. I went to like a thrift shop or mm-hmm. Rumpel shirt skins or whatever they called it, and found a shirt that looked like what Arnold would wear, some pants that looked like Arnold would wear, and then put shoes on my knees, and then kind of went around my knees the whole night. Never, never again. And when I was a kid, I wasn't creative at all. So I just went as a vampire. Sure. Literally as a vampire every single year from like second grade into like seventh grade. Every year you were just a, a vampire. vampire. <laughs> Literally just a vampire. Okay. It was terrible. So I was, that's, that's by default your best childhood Halloween ever, costume because it was the same one every year. Yeah, because I, I don't know. I never really liked Halloween. Firstly, too close to the birthday. I don't want to you know, be messing it's with my day. It's a whole week day. away. Yeah, but it's messing with my day, so get away wow. Halloween. And, like, nowadays, you know, people are talking about kids getting other things in their candy, which is ridiculous, secondly. 
why do we still do the trick or treat thing? It's weird to me. It's You're anti trick or treating. That's it, fun. Come it's on. odd to me. Like going to somebody's house. Well, because I've lived in the city the last twenty years, and no kid has come to my house. Right. I live in an apartment. It's I live true. in the fourth yes. floor, so no one, no one comes to my place. But going, remembering about my childhood and going to strangers' houses, knocking on the door, and asking them for candy just seems weird, especially when they said. Don't accept strangers from candy. It's literally I mean, don't the thing give they candy teach from you, strangers. Yes. Like literally, they said, "Don't do that." And then, like, this except, one day, except one go day, ahead and year. do that. Yeah. And yeah. so, yeah, I never was cool with Halloween. I don't celebrate it now. If somebody was to invite, you don't Courtney, celebrate. Oh, uh, Courtney and I were getting an invite on this weekend. Hey, come on through. We got this Halloween party. Come on through. And usually, I showed up. I was like, "Hey, I'm I'm just myself. The scariest thing ever." Wow. Boo. You're an adult. Yeah, boo. That's scary, right? Exactly. There. And so, yeah, there, there's some people who had good quality Halloween uh, costumes. My guy went as Steve Austin, Stone Cold Steve Austin. The other guy went as a, uh, a Price is Right uh, contestant. Oh, that's fun. Very, very creative. And my guy, Chris Ranji, who I think you know, they went as each other. They're, them and their friends went as each other. So they had big heads of their other friends and they would dress as them. And it was very clever. If, uh, if I ever went to the holiday party, I would go as Sean Anderson or Vinny Duber <laughs> or our guy, Joey back there, who was our producer there this tonight. So yeah, I'm not a fan of Halloween just because it's so close to my birthday. And I think too, Halloween overshadows Thanksgiving. So once you're done with Halloween, like Thanksgiving gets pushed aside. Cause it's like, Oh, Halloween's over. It's Christmas time. Let's go. Christmas trees. Because there's stuff. no presents for uh, for Thanksgiving. There isn't. Yeah. And then people forget my birthday, and I'm going to be mad. And if you forget my birthday, come on out to the tailgate <laughs> and buy me, a, buy me a drink or just give me a drink because they're free. All drinks and all food, free. We'll have a DJ there cooking some brats, some burgers. Joey will probably be there talking about his Texas Longhorns and how bad they are. Okay. <laughs> uh, Joey, that seems you, unnecessary. Yeah, that was a slight <laughs> shot. Hey, Joey. <laughs> We got a we got a ranked team in Illinois. Did you see that? I I saw the Illini. Yeah, I saw. Yeah, I mean that's how we do listen, it. Listen, you'd have to go to both, school both in spat Texas. This, both spat this parents sister Illinois alumni. I've been a fan for a long time. You roll to to on them. orange and blue. Yes. good for Brett Belima. Happy for them. You Herb, to, we'll see you uh, in Madison, Madison Square, Square Garden. Garden. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Texas uh, basketball team is playing the Illini, who also are ranked. In the Texas top is ranked. Number 12 in basketball. Oh, a little bit better than the Atlanta. Okay. So with that note, we'll be saying, hey, thank you, Blank Dang, for saying happy birthday to me. Yeah, happy air. birthday, Herb. Come it's on. Whole, come on. We got a, it's a week and a half away. Yeah, come it on. is. <laughs> I can take it. Come on. Bring come it on. on. Come on. It's, it's overshadowed by Halloween. <laughs> it's Herb's birthday, what? Last, Couple weeks. Well, last week of, of October and first week of all November. All Scorpio season is Herb's birthday. Oh, <laughs> From the I 23rd of October all the way to the 22nd of November. Hank Scorpio season. <laughs> Oh, God. Have you ever seen a man throw a moxie <laughs> or yell at shoes? Yes. Once. once. <laughs> <laughs> that is Vinny Duber. You can follow him at Vinny Duber. He is a CHGO White Sox beat reporter. Me, I'm Herb Lawrence. ActorWall23 is the Twitter handle. Lawrence spelled backwards, 2-3 for Robin Ventura, which I read in the book yesterday. Jeff Perlman, who debagged us or didn't get to us yesterday, had a good story about Robin Ventura and Bo Jackson and about him charging the mound against uh, Nolan Ryan. And Bo Jackson saved Nolan Ryan's life, apparently, in the book. So you can read that in uh, Jeff Perlman's book. Our producer over there is Joey. Joey Spathis or Spathis? Spathis. Joey Spathis is our producer. Usually it's Phonetically pronounced. Correct. <laughs> sure. 
He is our great producer, and we really appreciate Joey. It is our weekend, so guys, we really appreciate you guys joining us. We'll be back as a full crew on Sunday. We'll be Voltron again when Sean Anderson comes back with his millions of dollars from Las Vegas. You're going Voltron over Power, uh, Power Rangers. Voltron I, over Megazord? I'm old, so oh, Voltron sure. was I actually watched, and Power Rangers was when I was like a teenager, and they're like, ugh. Best that, Halloween costume for me? Power Rangers. Yeah, which mm. one? Uh, I was Zach the Black Ranger. Oh, yeah. With the woolly mammoth on did his you, chest. Did you do the dance? No, I had a big axe. Okay. He's like a battle axe from back in the day. I was, I've definitely been a Power Ranger before. Oh, yeah. 100%. Everybody has, yeah. Classic. Did you have the whole helmet? My, uh, my mom made the whole costume out of felt. Wow. Yeah. It was a thing for us in school. Eventually, you couldn't like wear them. You couldn't cover your face. So, kind of took away some of the Power oh, Ranger. Oh, so you had like an open... Right. You're, you're fully helmet. dressed, but then your face is just there. So <laughs> you you're fully dressed silly, in a body silly suit. Look. <laughs> did you have other people who are Power Rangers around you just uh, randomly, or did you no. have a group with you? Well, so my brother was my. We were like we were like six and four years old. But my <laughs> my brother was the Red Ranger, Jason. Uh, and uh, I think that year, by happenstance, my cousin was the Pink Ranger. So. We have a picture somewhere of the three of us go, being go, Power, Power Rangers. Rangers. Yeah. Yeah. Great show, great show. But I was way too old at that time to be a Power Ranger. So, for Vinny, for myself, for Joey, we really appreciate you joining us, CHGO White Sox. Have a good weekend. Peace.